Well, good morning. Welcome to TBA. My name is Brian Legg. I'm one of the pastors on our lead pastor team here at TBA. And a few weeks ago when I spoke, we started off the morning by me asking you about our vision statement. And so we're going to practice again this morning, and I want to see how many of you picked up a little bit more from the last time we talked. When we've been doing our introductions, we've been trying to, to kind of put this in front of you. So we come up and we introduce ourselves. Hey, you know, I'm Brian Legg. I'm one of the pastors here at TBA where we are living sent as the hands and feet of Jesus so that we can impact our community and our world for Christ. Well, that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're kicking off a new series, as you can see, called Live Sent. We're really trying to go back and reflect on and remember and and just kind of bring to mind again the purpose of who we are, what we're called to do, what we're called to be about, the things that God has shared with us, and talk about specifically how all of us can be a part of the amazing things that God's doing. And so that's what we're going to kick into this morning. But as we start, I want to start a little different this morning, and I'm going to start by kind of taking us back to an ugly place in history. And it's almost like we're starting on this downer, but I want you to see something because I think this greatly impacts who we are and where we're going. I want you to think back for a moment to World War II and think about the relationship between the Nazis and the Jews and all the different things that happened. And there were lots of terrible things. We read about the concentration camps. I'm sure we've seen pictures. We've seen videos. We know all the despicable things that were done to the Jews. But as you think about those things and you think about the concentration camps, there's things that were just obviously obvious mistreatment. I mean, even Jews who were killed because simply of who they were, and they put them through all this torture and all these things that happened. And you read some of those things, and they were just obvious points of torture. And then you read some accounts, and there's some things that were done to the Jews where you go, that doesn't even make sense. Why would they do that? One of those particular things that sticks out to me was reading the account about how sometimes the Nazis would take a group of Jews and force them to just go out and dig a hole. And they would dig a hole all day long. Just dig, 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 dig a hole. And then the next day, they would get them up and they would fill the hole in. All day long, fill the hole in. Just shovel and dirt. Dig a hole, fill a hole. Dig a hole, fill a hole. Day after day after day. And you and I read those accounts and we read stories like that and we go, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, how's that torture? I get that it's, it's hard work. It's not something that I would particularly want to do all day long is just dig a hole and fill it in. But see, the Nazis understood something that I think you and I forget a lot of times. We were created for purpose. We were created for purpose. And as they would dig that hole and fill it in, day in and day out, there was no point. There was no purpose at all in it. They weren't accomplishing anything. There was nothing at the end of the day that they really could say that they had done other than, I dug a hole and I filled it in. And they would force them to do this over and over and over to the point that it was literal torture. And some of the Jews would actually go insane. They would break down mentally because they were doing a task over and over and over and over with zero purpose. So you and I were created with purpose. That's exactly how God wired us. But sometimes we forget that. And we forget how important that is to us. Well, today's Super Bowl Sunday. Big day, right? The big game tonight. Everybody's going to be watching. It's the most watched televised event that happens every year. 
And it doesn't matter whether you're watching for the game or watching for the commercials. Everybody's going to be surrounding their TV tonight to watch the Super Bowl. Big day. Now think about this. Tonight, two teams are going to face off to see who is the best. Who's the new national champion? 21 weeks ago, there were 32 teams that started at the exact same spot. 0-0. No wins, no losses, fresh start. And every single team had the same purpose in mind. And what's that? Win every game, get to the Super Bowl, become the national champions. Right? I mean, what's the point being in the NFL if you're not going to do that? That's the driving force of the whole thing with football season. Win every game, get to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, be the national champions. Tonight there's two teams that have made that. And they're going to face off to see who's the best. And not every team made it, but every team had the exact same purpose driving them to this point tonight. A lot of the teams had different philosophies about how they would do that. They had different plans, different offenses, different defenses, different personnel, different coaches, differing ways they practice and condition and prepare. But they all had the same driving purpose. And guess what? As they start into the offseason, as they start doing their conditioning and making decisions about who they're going to recruit and who they're going to bring in and who they're going to replace their coach with and what they're going to do to prepare for next season, guess what their purpose is? Win every game, get to the Super Bowl, win the national championship. It doesn't change. It just keeps driving them. They were created with that purpose in the NFL, just like we are all created for purpose, a big purpose. A few years ago, there was a, a book that became very popular by a, 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 a pastor in California by the name of Rick Warren. And you probably know what book I'm talking about as soon as I said that name, right? The... Purpose-Driven Life. Almost all of you knew the book. Purpose-Driven Life. Last I read, this book sold over 60 million copies. People from everywhere ran out to buy the book. They wanted to, to search and explore, what does this mean? We're, we're created with purpose. What is my purpose in life? What's the point of all this? And it wasn't just Christians. It wasn't just churches. It was everybody from every circle of life, from every connection I know. People were talking about this book and how big of a deal it was. Why is that? Because we're all searching for that purpose. We all were created for purpose, but many of us struggle to recognize what that purpose is and what it looks like in our own lives. We give our lives to one thing after another. We commit our lives to all these big things. We're searching for fulfillment, but we're looking in the wrong places. We look in our work. We look in our relationship with our spouse. We look for it with our kids or at school. We look for it in our hobbies. We look for it in the pursuit of wealth. We even look for it in relationships that we shouldn't be involved in a lot of times. And none of it satisfies. None of it fulfills, and we're left searching. Always wanting more, always needing something different. Because the simple reality is this. God has created us with a very simple purpose. Love God, love others. It's at our core. It's in our wiring. It's who we are. Love God, love others. It's that driving force that should guide every action we take and every thought we think. It's the great commandment, Matthew chapter 22. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. Love God, love others. The very simple purpose that we've all been given. And how do we do that? What does that look like? It's the Great Commission. It's the picture of that. Go and do. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28. Jesus is telling us how to live that out, how to live out that purpose. We've all been given that same mission that will help us to accomplish the purpose for which we were created, to love God and love others. As you go through life, make disciples. Because you've been reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Christ, share the gospel, the good news, with everybody around you so that they can be reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Christ as well. See, for the NFL teams, it's that driving purpose throughout the year. Win games, get to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, become the national champions. For you and I, for all of us at our very core, is that one driving purpose Live our life in such a way that we bring others to Christ by the way we love God and love others. Let our life speak. Tell the story. And God hasn't hidden that purpose from us, but we keep looking in all the wrong places. We have to make a conscious choice to adjust our lives to His purpose instead of our own purposes. You know, I think Paul probably explained it in a way that makes the most sense to me. He was writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And really, as Paul's talking to them, he's trying to remind them and spur them on towards their purpose. Starting at verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You've probably somewhere along the way heard of this as the idea of being the message of reconciliation or the ministry of reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God because of the sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross. Our lives have been completely transformed. We are a new creation. Our old life is gone, and we're experiencing new life. We're looking at the world differently. We see the world through God's eyes now instead of just from our human perspective. And it helps us to see things completely different. We can't help but share the transformation that's happened in us with those around us because we want them to experience the same thing that we've experienced. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're carrying his message, carrying the good news into the world. And our purpose is to go, to go into the world, to live sent. We're sent by God, to live incarnationally, to live as Jesus' hands and feet so that other people can see that love and that transformation that's happened in us, to be able to share our story, to be able to do life with people so that they can experience God as they walk with us, to live out and invite in, to live out our faith and put it to action so that others come to know Christ and become a part of this amazing story that's unfolding. And all these are things that we're going to explore over the next two or three weeks. 
But here's the problem. If you haven't experienced that transformation, if you haven't experienced the ministry of reconciliation that Paul's talking about here in 2 Corinthians, everything else we're going to talk about is pointless. It doesn't matter. It's not going to make any difference to us. If we haven't experienced that kind of transformation to change our perspective, to be able to see life through God's eyes with his perspective instead of with our own, the rest doesn't matter. All day long we can say we're going to live as Jesus' hands and feet. But if we haven't been changed, how's anyone else going to be changed? God is calling us to live for him, to adjust our life to his plan, to allow his purpose to be greater than anything else in our lives, but we have to make the choice. You have to choose to adjust your life to God's purpose and to live sent. You're going to hear that theme a lot. You have to choose to adjust your life to God's purpose, to see things with His eyes, from His perspective instead of our own. And I'm not talking about just showing up to church on a Sunday or taking two minutes to pray before your meal because it's the Christian thing to do. I'm talking about what Paul was saying to the church in Corinth, the dying to the old self and living for Christ. No longer looking at life with our skewed human perspective, but looking at others through God's eyes and allowing his purpose to adjust every decision we make and every action we take. Allowing his purpose to adjust, or maybe the better way to say it would be to control how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we use our talents and our gifts, how we interact with other people, every action, every aspect of our lives. And we're all called to go. Every single one of us is called to live sent in this way. Not just a few of us. When you read these passages, when you read the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, when you go through what Paul was just talking about, not once in there does he talk about the pastors or the leaders of the church doing all of this stuff. He talks about the disciples being a part of this, all of us living our lives in this way. It's not associative kind of ministry. It's not where you're just part of a church and you go, man, I'm so excited to be part of TBA because they're going into the community and doing all these things. No, it's I'm going into the community and living this way. I'm being a part of what Jesus is doing. He's working through me and allowing me to be his hands and feet to others because the way he's transformed my life, other lives are being transformed. People are changing. Every one of us living our lives on purpose and adjusting our lives to God's purpose. And then we have to take it one step further and be a little more specific. See, God has given us a purpose together. God has given us, TBA Church, this family, this faith community, a purpose together. He's given us a very specific vision and mission that we are to carry out. It's how he wants us to accomplish the purpose of loving God and loving others. It's what that looks like for us. And I want you to hear clearly today that you're not here by accident or coincidence. And I think you hear us say this a lot. I'm not sure how many times we really listen. You're not here by accident, and you're not here by coincidence, or any other lame reason you can come up with. Okay, so somebody invited you. Great. You heard there were cool things happening, so you came over to check it out. Great. God's using that to have you here today for this very time, this very purpose, so you can hear these things, so that you can plug in and be a part. If you're one of those people who've been bouncing from church to church for the last ten years, I've got a simple statement for you. Quit. Quit church hopping. Quit going from one place to the next to the next, searching for what you think God may be wanting to do with you. 
So many times we get so caught up in thinking, well, he's got this big purpose for me or this thing that I've got to do, and we search and we search and we search, and if it doesn't plug in immediately the way we think it should plug in, oh, it must not be here. I've got to find a different place. God's going to use me somewhere else. What if God wants to use you right here and right now in the place you are, in this church, in the job that you're in, whether you like it or not, in the place that you're going to school, whether you're enjoying it or not, in the friends that you're hanging out with, whether it's good or not? What if God wants to use you right there in that place in that time because he has a plan and a purpose for you? So many times we keep looking for the ideal situation or the ideal environment instead of allowing God to use us where he has us. And we get so caught up in that that we miss what he's trying to do. Trust that he has you here for a purpose and plug into that. If you're one of those people who's been sitting in the seats since we moved in this building in 2010 and the only thing you do is show up on Sunday morning for an hour... You're wasting your time. If that's the only thing you're doing, I'd have to ask, why? Why do you do that week in and week out? Why do you waste that time? If you're not plugging into what God's doing and how He wants to use you, you've missed it. And what is it in your life that's causing you to be there? Stop and consider why you're here. It's not by chance. God has brought you to this place with this church family so that He can use you to do something great. What's holding you back? What are you searching for? September 2008 marked the start of a new journey for this church. Two churches, two different denominations merged to create a new church. Two churches that had the same burden to reach the community, to to reach people who were blindly searching for purpose in life around us like we've been talking about this morning. We came together pledging to set aside our differences in order to focus on the purpose that God had put before us. And believe me, there was no scheme, there was no gimmick, there was no slick plan, there was no hidden agenda. It was just two groups of people who wanted to be obedient to what God was asking us to do. I mean, stop and think about it. Who would name a church TBA? People still ask me all the time, so when's your church going to get a new name? I'm serious. Why would you do that? And think about the process we went through. I mean, our pastors, our pastor team, we're nobody spectacular. Believe me, hang out with us a little bit. You'll see it. But we didn't have an amazing plan. We couldn't even tell you what the next two or three steps were. We had no five-year business plan. We had nothing going. We were simply trying to be obedient and follow God one step at a time as he led. And I'll tell you, there were days, especially in the beginning, where we were wondering, God, are you going to give us the next step before we die? You were just constantly seeking and searching, looking for what is that next step you're asking us to take. Just a few months into this, I would tell you, looking back, we committed leadership suicide when we basically cut all programs as a church. It was something we felt God had laid on our hearts, and we came together and we said, the only thing we're going to keep doing is children's ministry and youth ministry, because those things are important. We've got to keep bringing our kids along. Outside of that, we're cutting everything. We're dropping it all. And I just wish you could have been on our side of things and heard the uproar that happened when we did that. Unbelievable. How in the world could you cut all these things? How could we quit doing all this? We're going to fail as a church if we don't have all these things going. But God had laid it on our hearts that we needed to get rid of the consumer mentality in our church family. And we needed to quit looking for the things that fulfilled us and start doing what he was asking us to do. And the only way we knew to do that was to cut everything and start over. And so we did. And it wasn't fun. And it wasn't an easy process, but we were confident that that's what God asked us to do, and so we stepped out in faith and stepped out in trust and did that. 
We were convinced that a lot of the ministries we had going were pulling families apart instead of inspiring them to live out their faith together. And we couldn't keep going that direction. We made a commitment at the very beginning to not do anything unless it fulfilled the purpose God had given us, unless it was on vision for the things that he was unfolding to us. We were making that commitment as a church family that we would adjust our lives to his purpose, whatever it looked like, whatever it meant. We began to teach on this idea of living scent that we're talking about this morning. It was what God was speaking to our hearts. We began to talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus, living our lives on purpose, being a church that was on purpose. We talked about what it looked like to live scent in our jobs, to live scent in our neighborhoods, at our school, and the, the sports leagues where our kids play, at the coffee shop where some of you spend all of your money every week. The people that were in our lives, to do life with them in such a way that they could see Christ in us, in every aspect of our normal lives, to live sent, to live life on purpose. We began talking about how we could be the hands and feet of Jesus in practical ways, just with the people that God had already brought into our lives. We talked about how ministry didn't have to be some big, elaborate, polished program, but it was as simple as us living our lives intentionally, living our lives on purpose, being aware of the opportunities God was putting before us, and slowly, as God opened the doors and, and began to give more insight, we started implementing some corporate ministry opportunities along the way. But these were very specific opportunities that were designed to model what it looked like to live sent, to teach us and to train us and to allow us to have something to plug into that would show us what that could look like in our own lives. And we started with things like we had an organization in Haiti that we partnered with, and we were sending teams and doing ministry there. And then we, we have a relationship now with a, a group in Honduras that we're working with, and we have a sister church there in the community of El Zapote, and all these things are beginning to unfold and blossom. But everything we do in Honduras, everything we do in El Zapote, everything we do with Pastor Medardo is a reflection of this idea that God has given us to live sent, to impact that community for him through relationship. In fact, this week, Glenn and Jeanette Farrell are there in El Zapote with Pastor Medardo. They're part of the leadership of our Honduras team, leadership team, and they're down there building relationship. They're talking about projects that are going to be coming up in our trip in July. They're talking about all kinds of different things that we can continue to do to live sent in that community. And it's exciting times. There were other things that came about, like partnering with Highland City Elementary, with what we do with Angel Tree and other things, helping students who desperately needed to see a glimpse of God's love in practical ways partnering with the teachers there at Highland City Elementary who are working with those students on a daily basis. Things like buying a house beside the school. That was a huge step of faith for us as a church family. But God called us to it, and we responded, and it was amazing how God used that and what he's done. Things like starting a food pantry out of that house, trying to meet some of the physical needs in the community to minister to people. Things like the homework club that launched this past year. The Homework Club is not only mentoring students and helping them improve in their grades and their schooling, but for most of those kids, for the very first time in their lives, it's introducing them to Christ. They're reading stories about God. They're reading stories from the Bible as they're learning to read and developing their reading skill, skills. And so many of those kids are experiencing God and God's love like they've never experienced before. They get more love two afternoons a week from the volunteers who show up at Homework Club than they get at home all the time. A lot of them. It's a big deal. And it's how God is helping us to live sent. We began to rebuild and redirect the ministry that was happening in small groups. And we'd had some groups survive when we cut all the programming that they kept meeting and kept going along. But we, we kind of took an effort to rebuild groups and bring some new groups together and kind of relaunch 
and we were encouraging our small groups to live sent, to go as a group and, and live that out, live your faith as you go, the same way we're talking to everybody about. What does it look like to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the community and beyond as a small group? We offered opportunities for groups to experience it. We had a Sunday morning where we didn't do church here on Sunday morning. We didn't meet in this place. Instead, we went out into the community and we challenged every group, find a person, find an organization, find a family, find somebody you can go and serve. Somebody where you can live sent, someplace that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus in a practical way. And our groups went out and they did things like painting houses, they uh, cleaned up yards, they served at soup kitchens, they visited nursing homes, the list just goes on and on. They were being Jesus' hands and feet in tangible ways. We offered a, a paint day in Highland City and encouraged our small groups to rally around it and there were some other teams that came together. And in one day we met in Highland City and went out and painted ten homes. That was an exciting day. It was transforming for that community from a visual perspective. It painted a picture of what God does in our hearts. We began to challenge all of you to live sent as individuals, as families, to figure out what God was calling you to, what he was burdening your heart with, what he was asking you to do, what that looked like for you. And I've watched as that's been played out so many different times. Some of our men coming together to fix cars for people that otherwise wouldn't be able to get their car fixed. They couldn't afford to take it to the shop. And so the decent mechanics, they come together and work on them for free and fix them up and give them back to the people and help out in that way. One particular person, I remember just literally, he helped to start a lot of our stuff in Highland City because God burdened his heart to just start praying and building relationships in the community. And he would walk through the community, walk up and down the streets, pick up trash, and pray for people as he saw them. He wasn't interacting with them necessarily unless they offered but he just, as he saw families, as he walked by houses, he would pray for them. He would pick up trash. It was amazing how God started to build relationships and open doors out of that and launched a new ministry. I've heard stories about people giving free haircuts, handing out water at an event, coaching an athletic team, helping people move, taking time off work to sit in a hospital waiting room while somebody had surgery. I even heard recently about a family in our church that has felt a burden to, to basically start a shelter for a group of people in need. And they're praying about what that might look like and how that might happen and, and what it's going to take to make that happen and trying to start exploring that. And see, all of these things are examples of how we can live sent. If, key word, if we're living life on purpose and when we're willing to adjust our lives to his purpose rather than our own. And those are the keys. That's the catch. Because we can do any of those things and just be an average nice guy. We can just be a nice person. But when we're living on purpose and when we're adjusting our lives to God's purpose instead of our own, it's amazing how he will use those opportunities to allow us to share our story and live our lives in such a way that people are impacted for Christ and they experience that reconciliation ministry that we're talking about. They began to experience the transformation that Christ offers in their lives. And so I wonder this morning, how many of you, regardless of whether you say you're a Christian or not a Christian or following Christ or not following Christ, I wonder how many of you have experienced that kind of transformation in your life? Have really experienced what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians that reconciliation of relationship to God that is truly life-changing to where you're saying goodbye to your old life and welcoming a new life. That you're looking at life differently. And I'm not talking about the, the coming to Christ where we're checking a box on the connection card or a three-line prayer so that you got your free ticket to heaven. 
I'm talking about life change, transformation, seeing things different, understanding that Christ died on a cross so that your life could be completely transformed so that you could experience unexplainable joy and hope and peace regardless of what life circumstances throw your way. See, coming to Christ doesn't make everything go smooth. In fact, sometimes I think we have more problems after we come to Christ, but we sure approach them differently. And we have hope as we approach those problems and deal with those things because God gives us hope in the midst of the scariest storms of our lives. And if you have experienced that transformation, I just wonder, are you aware of the opportunities God's putting before you? Because, see, we're all people. And we all easily get distracted. We easily get off course. And even after we've experienced that kind of transformation, that kind of life change, it's so easy to get caught up in life and get busy doing other things and get distracted by things to where we forget and we get off course. And we're walking in a direction that we never intended to walk. Some of us live our lives at such a fast pace that we're oblivious to the daily opportunities God gives us to live sent. It's interesting, if you take time to study Jesus' life, I would say that most of his ministry happened in things that we would call interruptions in life. It was things that was as he was going. He was going from one place to another. He was going with the purpose to to go and do something in particular, and, and he would come across someone, or he would come across a situation. And that was where ministry happened. That was where he healed the sick and and made the blind see and all these amazing miracles that we read about. When you go back and look, they were interruptions. They were things that just happened as he went. And I wonder if we have enough margin in our lives that we can be interrupted for God's purposes. Or if we're so busy that we don't even see the opportunities. If we're so distracted that we're not even noticing when he brings opportunities our way. Band, you guys can come on up. And I know I tell you this every time I speak, but as they come up, please don't get distracted by them. Just listen, I've got two, two final things I want to say to you. Just two challenges for you this morning. And, and this morning's a little different. I mean, you, you may want to respond. You may want to come forward and pray. You may want to get somebody and pray here. But more likely, you'll, you'll probably just want to sit and contemplate this week and think about some of these things. The first challenge is this. If you have not or you're not sure that you've experienced that transformation that I'm talking about in your life, that that ministry of reconciliation, to where really the old life is gone and the new life has begun and your perspective has changed, I want to challenge you to really think about that. Sit and read 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, what we just read this morning. Read Paul's words about what that ministry of reconciliation is, of what it means to be reconciled to God. Contemplate that. Meditate on that. What does it mean to to let go of my old life and to embrace a new life, to have new perspective? And then I would challenge you to invite Christ into your heart and to transform you in that way, to allow you to experience that. And I would challenge you to take a step beyond that and share it with somebody who you know has that kind of faith. And I want you to share it with someone who you know has that kind of faith. Because we've got a lot of people in our world who will tell you they're Christians, who tell you they're following God. But you watch their lives for just a moment and you know better. 
Line up with someone who you know is following after God, who's transformed their heart, who's walking in that direction, who's allowing their life to speak in that way, that's living sent, so they can help you to take the next steps towards that kind of ministry. And then the second challenge is this. If you look at your life today and you say, I don't know that I'm living sent. I've been transformed. I've experienced God's amazing power in my life. I know what that looks like. I know what Christ has done to change my heart, but life's gotten too busy. Life's gotten too distracting. There's too many things that are pulling me away. I would challenge you to step back and look at what steps do you need to take to create enough margin in your life that God can interrupt your schedule so that he can live through you and reach others to bring them to himself. Don't allow life to be so busy that it it pulls you away from helping others to experience that transformation that you've experienced. Take a serious look at the steps that you need to take to adjust your life to his purpose for you, to create that margin in your life. Let me give you a real simple practical example. Tonight's Super Bowl. Tonight, I would be willing to bet that most every one of you will either have someone come to your house or you will go to their house or you'll go somewhere and hang out to watch the game with them. There will be parties everywhere for Super Bowl tonight. Don't let tonight just be about the Super Bowl. Live intentionally. As you're hanging out with those people, as you're around them, whether you've been invited to their place or they're invited to yours, Use it as an opportunity to allow your life to speak, for you to live sent, for you to be intentional. And don't mishear me on this. I'm not asking you to go push your faith on somebody. That doesn't work. That's not what God's asked us to do. What I'm asking you to do is to be aware of opportunities that he gives you. When someone's ready to hear that message, when they're ready to hear about reconciliation, when they're truly searching for God and searching for their purpose, that door's going to open and you're going to know it. And it's as simple as you sharing your life sharing your story, how God's changed you. Pay attention to those opportunities. It doesn't have to be tonight. It can be in any setting. But tonight's a great example of that. You'll have opportunity to make the most important thing the most important. Let's take a moment, pray, and then the band's going to sing, and you respond as God leads. Go ahead and stand with me as we pray. And if you need to come and pray, feel free. I'll be here at the front. I'll be happy to pray with you. If you want to grab somebody and pray, do that. Maybe you just need to sit down there at your seat and contemplate for a little bit and allow God to speak to you. That's okay, too. However he's speaking to your heart, you respond in that way. God, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you that you're speaking to our hearts, that you're reminding us that you've called every single one of us to live sent for you, to go and to carry your message to the world around us. This idea of going and making disciples, sometimes we make it so complicated. And God, all you've asked us to do is to, to live in relationship to live in relationship with you and to live in relationship with others. To love you, to make you first in our lives, to trust you more than we trust ourselves, and to let that show in the way we relate to others. So God, help us to keep it simple. Help us to keep our focus in the right place. And help us to be willing to be interrupted day in and day out as you give opportunities for us to respond for you. Help us to have that kind of margin in our lives, God. We love you. We commit this time to you, and we just ask that you speak to our hearts. May you reign this morning. It's in your name we pray.